Tomorrow, I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss binary systems, Black Lives Matter, and the PlayStation 5. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Ryan, we're back. We're back. We're back. We floated back to this podcast on a sea of lies and 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 failed endeavors and 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 uh unkept promises to tony that One we would be I want someone to be like a super cut of us being like we'll see you next week we will definitely be here this one's real this time it's we're really gonna commit last week i was or two weeks last week it was like two weeks ago i'm like we're doing it every week we're gonna bring back gas it's gonna be amazing listen it's hard okay folks i don't mind telling you it's hard out in the world to even wake up seems like every time we get our balance the world has like another cultural earthquake motherfuckers just keep slipping another rug underneath my feet to be pulled out <laughs> okay that's what's happening you step off one rug onto another rug and all of the rugs are being pulled out from under you and then finally you fall to the ground and you realize that there never was any rug at all nor was there ground and you're just falling you're falling into a dark black pit of sadness and despair and hopelessness and then you realize that you're actually still in bed. And that's when you wake up from your dream. And you're like, oh, I'm awake. Then you look at Twitter. And you're like, I need to go back to sleep. I'm just Mr. Magooing my way through my own life. You're going to have to expand on that reference for me. What does that mean? Like you're wearing a funny hat or you're scrunching your face up? Mr. Magoo. You have a big um, red nose. He's that character that like <laughs> I know who Mr. Magoo is. Yeah, he like trips and falls, but he never really like it always just kind of works out. He I'm always just Mr. like oh, okay. <laughs> Mr. at the end of it, like he'll be the guy who crosses the street, and then all the cars will pile up around him, and he'll get to the other side completely oblivious. That's let's that's, what, about, that's who I'm trying to be, Mr. Magoo. Let's talk about Mr. Magoo for a sec. First off, he has a uh, his eyes seem to be always closed. He looks exactly like. I don't know if this is going to resonate with all of the listeners, all one listener. He looks exactly like Jun- Junior Soprano from The Sopranos. I mean, <laughs> he, he looks exactly like him. It's kind of shocking to me that I had never picked up on this. Speaking of The Sopranos, I just, Soprano, Sopranos, I just finished it last night. So that's Again. a thing. No, I've never seen it before. Oh, wow. It's my first time ever. I mean, we watched it up to like the fifth season and then stopped. And then this time we just started rewatching it, you know, when the pandemic, we were like, hey, no better time to catch up. Anyhow, Mr. Magoo. Sorry, let's get back on your your thing about how he's falling out, sliding all over the place. Mr. Magoo, um, I believe is a ra- uh, some kind of stereotype, Jewish stereotype. I think maybe he's some. It's got to be something. There's got to be some cancellation that's going to happen with Mr. Magoo. Ageism, uh, anti-Semitism. <laughs> I feel like oh oh Ableism. oh. We, no, apparently. Wait, I'm actually looking now. Apparently, there were some like really horrible like Asian stereotypes on Mr. Magoo. Uh, of course there was. Oh boy. I mean, this is really holy shit. Like, hold on, I'm gonna share just not now, Tony, you won't be able to see this because you're just listening, but I'm going to share with oh, you. Oh boy, I just found it. 
Oh, boy. Let me just drop a gif into you. This is, like, extremely racist. So Mr. Magoo's canceled, and good riddance to bad rubbish. That's what I have to say. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess it... that's not who I'm trying to be. <laughs> yeah, you're not trying to be Mr. Magoo, who is a massive racist. Um, it's it's like the past when you start to look back. I mean, obviously, you know, we we're all now reckoning with a with we're all thinking about and talking about and reckoning with like the just just rampant racism that exists in the world. Um, uh, uh, it's 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 everywhere. It's widespread. It's not just in America, by the way. Um, you know, there's there's uh, it's it's uh, it's truly like the, the thing that brings the world together. Um, it seems his uh, is racism actually sweet swept all of the nations, but uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's just like, especially when you look backwards, I mean, we're now we're seeing, you know, you know, people are like, Hey, Aunt Jemima, actually, that's pretty racist. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. Like the, you know, the, at some point the Washington Redskins are going to have to fucking give it up. You know, at some point someone's going to have to be like, Hey guys, this actually is just a straight up racial slur. Like we should just change the name of the fucking group, you know, of the, of the team. There's actually a great essay. I don't know if you've read it by Tiffany Reed, who's the fashion director at the bustle uh, on the other side of bustle on the women's lifestyle brands. And um, she wrote about this like crazy racist thing that happened to her in Paris. And it's like, you know, just like, I just want to be clear, you know, it's like America is very bad, but this shit is everywhere you go. Um, but it's like funny, like the Mr. Magoo thing is like, you, you know, here we are, like just innocently referencing Mr. Magoo, which you would think like, you know, I was making jokes about him being like an anti-Semitic, like whatever. But it turns out like it's <laughs> it actually is a bunch of racist shit in there. And it's like you really can't escape it. And it's sort of insane how um, the more we look at it and think about it, especially when everybody is looking at it and thinking about it, the more you see how much of it is there. Like, I don't know. I don't even remember Mr. Magoo. I don't know if I've even ever seen a single episode of the show, but you know, there it is like in the first few pages of a search. So I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's, we definitely have like, um, we definitely have some shit to deal with in this country and around the world. And I think we're seeing that in a very big way. I think the stuff that's happening around policing right now is fascinating. I mean, f for me particularly, I, I think that this whole concept of reframing what the police do and who they are and how they work is, I think most of us have just never thought about it. You know, I think it's one of those things where you can say, I've said, you know, the police are, you know, there's obviously systemic racism within the police, uh, the way they police um, communities. There's obviously huge problems with the way that people are vetted, um, you know, but you never think like, well, what's like fundamentally going on? Like, what are the police fundamentally doing and what's fundamentally wrong with them? And the more you think about it, the more you start to see this other version of a world that could exist. And it's actually like really liberating to imagine it. And I'm very excited about the idea that we could just rethink entire structures of power in this country. I think it's what we need to do at every level. It's like the electoral college conversation, you know, it's like, it's always been that way. It's like, well, you know, America's a different place than it was when it was founded. Um, we have a different electorate. We have a completely different population uh, mix and density. It's like, 
maybe it's time to rethink some of these things. And I, so I'm excited about, um, I'm obviously horrified by the, the state of affairs in this country, but I'm excited a little bit, or at least cautiously optimistic about the possibility that maybe this is a sustained, you know, if we keep up this sustained conversation and drumbeat about changing things and people keep going out and protesting and we keep confronting people and forcing them to look at it, that maybe we can actually do something. The thing that gives me hope is it feels like we're finally expanding our imagination for things because like a few years ago saying that like you were pro Medicare for all was kind of a death sentence in politics. And now we've mainstreamed the idea that everyone deserves healthcare. And we've mainstreamed the idea that like, America isn't some exceptional place where like uh, all ideas have to spring from like a godhead. Like we're able to look at the model used in other like similar nations and say like, oh, wow, that's working really well for them. And our system isn't working for us. And I think the police situation is another is another case where, I mean, a couple years ago, we had a similar like a couple years ago, honestly, like five, six years ago, we had a similar amount of protests around Ferguson and abolish the police was not a mainstream discussion happening. Yeah. Fund the police wasn't something that, you know, local politicians had to grapple with and say out loud. And I think like the right has had a real ability to say, like envision a country where gay people have to go to camps where they get electrocuted into being straight or like, you know, a a country where abortion is illegal and women are held accountable for what men do to them vis-a-vis sexual assault. Like they're able to imagine this horrifying fascist state and then work towards that like fantasy. And I think if we can imagine a world of equality and a world without violence and a world um, if we can imagine all the people, I'm trying to say. Um, oh wow! If we can imagine wow. something wow. that My I'm, favorite I'm video, <laughs> being Gal Gadot. Um, yeah. if, if you if we can imagine something that's bigger and more encompassing and more structurally sound and safer and more prosperous, like I think that that will lead us somewhere good. Um, I think that that that's a good instinct to have to stand up and say like, no, fuck you, I, I don't accept that. And when we're handed crumbs years ago, we would be handed crumbs. Like, you know, we're going to do an education program where police have to spend an hour hearing about how they shouldn't shoot black people. We'd be like, Oh, thank God. Yes. Change, you know, like incremental updates to systems we already have. And I think now we're like, you know, some of our systems are good and should be protected and some of them are bad and we should just start over. And it's okay to admit that we don't, we we're not perfect. Some of we those systems like, are it all out. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's 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 truly incredible. Um, I think that your point about the, um, the 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 concept of like creativity, creative solutions. I think it's an interesting way to think about it. Like we are, it is a highly uncreative approach that we've been taking to a lot of the problems that we have. You know, like incremental. Like incremental is nice sometimes. Like it works sometimes. You're like, hey, you know what? This OS is great. I just really need like a copy and paste function or whatever. It's like cool. But like, um, y- you know what you what you want. This is not a. 
I love the OS. I just need copy and paste. You know, this is like, uh, none of it works. You know, it keeps crashing. It keeps freezing. It keeps, you know, breaking my phone. I think that getting creative is really important. And I would actually, it's maybe that's the thing that I'm responding to when I think about the idea of like rethinking policing, because like it is a creative endeavor to imagine a different version or a better version of what we're doing in terms of like society. I think you're right about also about healthcare. The other thing that happens is that people get so comfortable with the way things are that they can't imagine that they could be different. And so it's hard for them to see or to think about what that different would look like. You know I mean? This, by the way, I hate to draw a line from like, like society to like things as like it's seemingly insignificant as like technological innovation. But like the iPhone as an, an example is one of those things where for a long time, you couldn't imagine a phone being anything else. And so well, it, you had to like see a radical. Yeah. You know, it's the change. Henry Ford thing of like the apocryphal, but wonderful quote, which is like, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. And right. like, I wow. think Henry Ford, rampant racist and anti-semite <laughs> if i recall um yeah. i think it's it's a situation where like listen i don't want to throw out the things that incrementalism and stuff has gotten us but i do think you know it, it, it it's similar to like i'm not here to say that like no conservative has ever had a good idea what i'm here to say is that we've swung so far to the right and we have integrated that entire philosophy so deeply into every aspect of society, psychology, culture, medicine, that I do think like it's too much. Like there, we we've already gotten everything we can out of the philosophy of like survival of the fittest or like the philosophy of like, you know, traditional quote unquote values and like religious thinking. Like we've gotten, we, we, we got the benefits that we could get out of that, you know, when we had a little bit of it. And now we are so far off to the right that I think to imagine creatively means to go left and to incorporate a bunch of the philosophies and ideas and solutions that we've demonized because we, you know, that was to be a liberal or whatever. And right, right. I think like, you know, I think this, listen, all of this stuff happening is not, it's not like worth Trump being elected or it's not worth the death of black civilians like at the hands of police systematically for decades of course not and nothing is like worth that trade but there is a silver lining that people are i I mean maybe it's the perfect storm of people having time and anger because of the pandemic to take action on this stuff now i mean someone tweeted the other day that like now we're all retired teachers who get really involved in their local politics because that's right. how everybody's operating now. And maybe there's a lot of good that will come out of that because right. I can for sure tell you that people that I know are involved in their local races now, uh, three or four months ago, had no idea who was running and like didn't really care, even if they said they did. It's interesting. To, it's actually interesting to think about it like that. I mean, uh, the idea that everybody's like got a hobby now and the hobby is like social justice is like and being like pissed as shit about how yeah. horrible things have been well, for a long well, time I, I think i think the pandemic is a great fucking example of the failure of a lot of these systems right the failure of the healthcare system the failure of our politicians to fucking act to protect us the failure of you know even at the gut you know people like praise cuomo but like new york fucked this up 
really badly early on. You know, there's 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 a ton of articles about this now. You can read about how badly this was handled at the at the outset of this in like, you know, the failure of our relationships with with places like, you know, the World Health Organization, the failure of the CDC to give clear guidance on things. I mean, you remember the mask stuff? I mean, it's sort of insane not to go into this, but like. You know, the fucking mask stuff early on, it was like guidance from the CDC was like, don't wear a mask. It doesn't help. There's no need. And it's like literally now every other piece of science says the opposite, which is like wearing a mask is highly effective at preventing basically the, the most spread. important, easiest thing you it's, can do. And and if they literally had issued the guidance in February and said, you know, we are highly recommending that you wear a mask when in public. We probably could have prevented a massive amount. And all by the way, Trump could have easily, you know, way before he had blundered this entire thing, they could have easily just put out a a statement saying, you know, we recommend wearing a mask. But of course, I mean, it, it starts with d- dissolving the pandemic response team and being yes, like, exactly. we haven't had a pandemic, so we never will. And it's not right. worth any investment. And it starts with like, and I think people see there was a lot of activity and uh, around having empathy for homeless families, for kids who are starving and malnourished. There was a lot of activity in New York about what will we do if the homeless don't have anywhere to go? Because not only does it affect us all, but I think people realize that like, if you're trapped in your home and you don't have a home, you know what I mean? Like, then where do you go? What do you do? And I think it's not a big jump from that finally seeing those people as human and seeing those people's circumstances as not entirely earned. And it's not a huge jump to then say like, wait, nobody should be homeless. Like, wait, we have are in a city, we're in one of the richest cities in one of the richest countries in the world. And we have tons of empty apartments and tons of empty hotels. And we're not letting like homeless mothers and their children have them like wait a minute. Yeah. And I think it, yeah. it, it it's a quick, uh, it has exposed some of the big fundamental flaws that were just easy to be like, I don't like it, but I got to get to work. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. like it, but I have stuff to do today. So what am I going to do now? We're all trapped at home and we have to really look in the mirror and say like, yeah. Oh shit. We probably shouldn't have like, you know, we should. We probably shouldn't have our solution to climate change have to be everyone's trapped in their homes. Like, oh no, right. maybe the internet shouldn't. Our infrastructure for the internet shouldn't be so shitty that I can't stream Netflix in New York City on a Friday night because everybody else is streaming Netflix. Like, right. that should not be the case in a country well, whose entire economic future has now bet the farm on technology. Like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's it's uh, look, it's an awakening. It's an awakening. The great awakening has come, says Q. The great awakening (laughs) is here. You can't stop what's coming or whatever their shit is. What is it? The storm? The looming storm? storm. The storm. The storm, folks. Well, this is all, you know, of course, this, you know, the pandemic is just a cover up to cover up Hillary Clinton's pedophilia. I think you know that. Oh, yeah. The pandemic is a hoax. I think we, because of I think Benghazi. We, yeah, Benghazi <laughs> was the tipping point. They were like, we, you're going to have to do something bigger than Benghazi. Because hey, George now, Soros paid us to go to those Black Lives Matter protests because the pandemic wasn't working to cover up the pizza conspiracy that yeah, pizza, um, Hillary pizza Duff town. is selling her child. Uh, where can I where can I purchase the child? That's all I want to know. Get me <laughs> on the list for the for auction, the auction. Um <laughs> 
the, I'm sorry. Republicans, truly some of the dumbest, biggest, dumbest group of people I've ever seen. I mean, it's just a gigantic group of absolute fucking dumbasses. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know that you're supposed to respect everybody and, you know, I, we have our differences and all this shit. But I'm sorry. If you're a fucking Republican, literally everything you stand for and every opinion you have is just absolute shit. And I'm not saying this like I'm a hardcore, like liberal Democrat, like whatever. I'm open to like talking about being, you know, beefing up the military. Tell me about all the reasons why we need to beef it up. I'm all, I'm all ears. Talk to me about the reasons why we should fuck up, you know, our trade agreements. Like I'm happy to talk about like being like the conservative ideas about the economy and the military and everything else. But I don't see any of those motherfucking things working. The only thing that has happened, like your economic growth is all stock market growth has does not have any basis in reality to any of the people who live in this country to a very small percentage. So it's like you may be brilliant at like making more money for the absolute richest people who already are on top in the short I don't term think in the short term. But I don't think that's a I think that's a really good recipe for like a violent civil war and revolution uh, that will make the protests look pretty chill by comparison. Um, at any rate, so like the Republicans just absolute fucking ass hat. I, I mean, just, <laughs> I just think, listen I, I, again. And I, I don't want to be the person that's like demonizing because they don't think that that's productive, but I also no. don't want to demonize anybody. But at, at a certain point, like, you know, Trump is now pushing an agenda that would keep gay couples from being able to adopt. Like they would, you would have religious exemptions uh, through adoption agencies, which in, if you don't know in the U S are highly controlled by religious organizations. So if you really want to adopt in the U S this is why a lot of gay couples go outside the country, but if you really want to adopt in the U S you kind of have to go through a religious organization. And some of them like the, the Betsy DeVos family, uh, fucking, Adoption stuff is very close to human trafficking, but that's for another day. Um, That's a whole other podcast. Trump wants to push this idea that it would be legal to turn down couples for being gay. And I think we're just like, of course, Republicans have always had things that I found disgusting and beliefs that I found horrible. And but I'm now personally at the point where, like, if you even entertain the idea that Republicans are reasonable people that we should hear out, or you're like, I'm an independent. I I'm not voting blue no matter who. I gotta hear the issues. If that's where you're at right now, I just don't want you in my life. Like I'm no. not at this point, like I, I'm just I'm not speaking to family members at the moment because yeah. I, I just nothing good will come from a relationship where someone fundamentally says, like, I'm okay with you being harmed. I'm okay with you never having kids. I'm okay with um I'm okay with you losing healthcare protections, which is another thing being pushed. Um I'm okay with you specifically this person I know that I can put a face to. If you can't give empathy for me, I can't expect you to understand empathy for races of people you don't interact with and groups of people who you don't understand and religions yeah. that you've never heard really about. And so uh, why would I continue engaging with someone that's like at that level i don't think that's the majority of people in the country but i do think there is a core trump supporting group that i just don't think it's worth us obsessing about anymore because right they're not the majority and they don't speak for everyone you know i mean they they, i think it's it's uh right i mean obviously the supreme court ruled um uh that you know uh, this landmark you know lgbtq uh bill which basically is like something you would imagine is is kind of unbelievable that we need to even have a a Supreme Court ruling on it, which is like it's illegal to discriminate against people based on their based on like who they sleep with. 
you know, or their it's gender like, identity. Like if they their come gender in I mean, to work yeah. and they're like, "Hi, you, I'm female presenting, but I have to go to my doctor's appointment." And they're you're like, "Oh, what doctor do you go to?" And you tell them, and then they're like, "Oh, well, you're probably a trans, so we can't have you work here anymore." Like that right. is now an illegal thing because in 35 states, it was perfectly valid to be like, "Oh, you're dating a dude," or "Oh, you used to be a dude." That's it. Like, yeah. you're done. Yeah. You don't no longer have I mean, a job or I mean, insurance. It's, so it's like essentially like, you know, uh, imagine like civil rights, you know, this, you know, imagine like businesses that at a point where at a point where in this country where you could say, well, oh, you're black. Like, you're, I don't want you working here. Right. This country was like, no, that's not something that we're going to allow. You can't just be like, oh, I don't like your race. So you can't work here. I don't like your religion. So you can't work here. It's literally there's laws. Right. You would think like. It's a foregone conclusion, you might think, a foregone conclusion that, like, you can't fire somebody or discriminate against somebody in, in, in many other ways because of their, you know, gender, you, you know, designation. Because it has their, no their, impact on their ability to do the job. Right. It's just nonsense. But, like, it had to have a fucking Supreme Court ruling. And there, there's a group of people in the country, Trump included, who would prefer that we could discriminate against people because they're fucking gay. Like just just put it there because it's the easiest for everybody to understand because literally everybody has someone in their family who's fucking gay, okay? Whether you know it or not, trust me. And like, just think about it. Most people know it and are aware of it and don't care. Most Americans don't fucking care if their cousin is gay or trans or whatever. They're like, that's my cousin. The vast majority but it's also, of people. It also just comes down to basic civil rights. And for the group of people in this country that crowed on and on about personal responsibility, get government out of my bedroom, get government out of my backyard. The government can't tell me what to do. Right, you, right. My, my employer can't tell me how to spend my money. I don't want to be taxed. For the group of people that was all about individualism to then turn around and say like, oh, wait, but uh, if you're gay, that's gross. So we're going to make sure you don't have access right. to a doctor and you can't get a job. Like, it, it's just, it's it, it doesn't even, it's not even, it's the hypocrisy, obviously. It, it, it's about, like, I protect the civil rights for people you don't like because, like, there are people who don't like you. And so right. if you want to the ability to get a job, like what if one day they turn around and they decide whatever thing you are is the thing that we don't like you blue eyed people all of a sudden, you know, we right. found out that blue eyed people, a study came out that blue eyed people tend to be less productive for whatever reason. To and then well suddenly, known. well, no fact actually, it's like an absurd, like pseudoscience thing. And I mean, it just, it all comes down to like phrenology stuff, which is just like, we used to think that people's skull shape would tell us how good they were at their job. Now we know that isn't true, but what we should probably start with is at an assumption that no matter what shape your skull is or what color you are or who you like jerk off to, nobody at your job is going to care. It's completely, it's completely nuts. I mean, this is what I'm saying is that like, it's, it's obviously huge that now we have like protection there is a protection at from the highest court in the land around this but like that 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 the question had to be asked at all that it wasn't a foregone conclusion and that there is a group of people that would prefer it the other way that would prefer it that you could say oh uh like you're not like me i don't think you should have this job like just think about the fucking levels the many many levels of i mean i don't want to say evil because I, again i don't really believe in the concept of evil i just think the levels of ignorance 
and fear and stupidity that are required to make to make to say what is it i mean what is it you what is your religion your religion is like discriminate against people because you because like that's the only re- the only reason i can think of for somebody to believe it is something that is totally irrational like you because you believe in a book of stories for children that are made up about people that never existed or versions of them that didn't exist where magic happens you think like today somebody should like not be able to earn a living i mean or get it healthcare? comes down to the like founding fathers myth where in this country we've like created this like beyond just religious stuff because obviously there's always going to we're always going to have to fight against this like obsessive like this is the exception you can like there is no this is the incontrovertible thing undeniable most powerful thing is that i'm religious like we're always gonna have to fight against that because like those people truly believe that they are sent on a mission from the creator of the universe and so we're gonna have to constantly argue against like prioritizing their ideas because they're going to be the most like obsessed with it because they're in a cult but like i think you know beyond that we just love mythologizing things because this country doesn't have a history like this country's history is not very long and it's mostly bad and it's mostly things where we should be ashamed of so the things that we're proud of we really overcompensate and that's how you get like christopher columbus or like the founding fathers yeah. who like were rapists yeah. and slave owners it's and it's not like beat the their christopher wives stuff is nuts. i mean honestly the christopher columbus stuff is like Really, when you look into it, it's crazy how this weird ass myth about who Christopher Columbus is and was rather that it's perpetuated so deeply in the culture of America that 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 but no one you, ever you like, bake like in the idea that a white guy had to discover a country in which how do you discover a country in which like hundreds of thousands if not millions of people already live like that you bake into the idea that history is about white people when you say that it, this country was discovered because one yeah. white guy happened yeah. to be and he wasn't even the first white guy with fucking I mean, how many vikings you know what I, mean, I mean the weird right the weird thing is that we celebrate this this anniversary of america that's like completely uh it's like not real it's nothing it's actually nothing it's like a holiday that shouldn't even, I mean, it's like, I mean, of course we can talk about the founding of America, right? Like by the founding fathers or whatever, but, but it's like, what but does even it mean? That it's language like some, of like father, it's mythologizing. Right. It's, right. it's like paternalistic and it, it imbues them with the same power that we give God. I'm not saying it doesn't, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. Obviously the founding documents of that, that establish like, you know, what America is, the United States of America are very important, but like. But th- that's a part of it's like a lineage of things that have happened here. I'm not saying we have to rewrite history. We actually need to like write it correctly because it hasn't been established like in any like meaningful way to the people who live here. It's like you think yeah, that, we like, have we the showed tools up- now to do a better version of history, which is the job of history. The job right, of historians would- is to try to get as close to the truth so we can analyze the facts and what worked and what didn't work and know how to move forward. And when you decide that you don't like historians and you don't like the truth because you prefer the George Washington cherry tree story because it's right. really easy to tell kids, you've decided that like talking to fairy tales for children and that moment in kindergarten is way more important than like abolishing racism as a thing. Well, to be fair, 
we that is exactly it isn't it i mean it's like it is easier to tell the fairy tale version of the fucking story than to tell the reality of it but like you know i think just like the just like the thing we're talking about with like the police and rethinking how policing works we need to stop doing i mean i think the lesson here is like we need to adapt to reality much faster and much better than we have done like we need as a hum, as hum, as human beings we need to go like the other way is bad and isn't working or it's only working for a select set of people and like we are not adapting to this moment as rapidly or as meaningfully as we need to and like i do think it's it, it really does come down to this like need for for radical a radical reconfiguration of what we think is the right way to exist in this world i mean i, I it's so insane but like We've just been like, you know, on this fucking treadmill. I mean, when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, there was no indication. I mean, just a very light indication that that Native Americans had any place in history larger than being like the people who greeted the pilgrims. Like, literally, that's the story, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's not the fucking story. Well, it's and also we just keep... like if we as a nation can do something as culturally and I, I'm, I don't laugh at this. I think this is an important thing. If we can, as a nation, tear down the image and the cool zeitgeist and the obsessive marketing and the entire economic structure of just something like smoking, if we can as a nation rethink uh, like our dynamic with something that was so everyday and so like just a, a, a beloved part of the American mythology. Every cowboy had a cigarette in their mouth. If we can stand together and say like, oh wait, the science is saying this is killing people, lots of people, and it's really bad and there's no benefit to it. We should stop doing it. If we can do that with something that I think is an addictive substance, we can certainly do that with like yeah. programs that are murdering people, like that are actively harming people systematically. And I get that like, yes, several years ago, we were all sort of like, you know, not all of us, but many people who are now part of these discussions, including myself, were a little less like, we were a little less quick to jump to the like, complete revolutionary version of things like i voted for bernie both times i was one of those teenagers that almost registered as a green party member but of mm. course i was also the person who was like i think hillary clinton is like a good person you know what i mean and mm. now i'm like i think that she's part of a system that you know i don't think she operated from a place of malice her life but she participated in a system that hurt a lot of people and her inability to like break out of convention is really harmful and like I, I, that having that more nuanced take and that more honest and frank like evolution of like how you think about these figures and how you think about these systems and how you think about the things that you took for granted and even just the idea that like oh wait like just like neoliberal economics might have worked great in the 90s and part of the 2000s but like maybe we shouldn't do it again because we keep coming back to it's really easy to take those apart. Like it's really right. easy to slash regulations and taxes for corporations and then just start over again. And well, we, need, sort to, of we like, need a system yeah. that can't be taken apart that easily. Right. It's sort of like, it's sort of like the, the, all the shit with Trump where, where it's like, Oh, like, well, this is what all the presidents have done previously. So, you know, the norms where it's like, Oh yeah, you have to, um, 
turnover, you know, like this evidence that Congress is asking for. And he's like, no, I don't. And everybody's like, mm, yeah, I guess like he doesn't because like, what can we do here? Like, oh, he just took it, you know, just replaced it, you know, the the attorney general with another person who will just back him up on this. And they're like, oh, I guess that can happen. So we need to go away from this whole idea that like, this is just what's how it's always been done. And there's no protections around like making sure we don't have like an absolute like collapse of our fucking democracy. We need to like go from that to like there are actual laws and ways of of like doing things that protect to your point that protect like when we when we move forward, it isn't just a partisan decision that like literally everything, you know, that's one of the big problems in this country and many countries is that everybody sees like change as partisan, like some version of like progress has to be like the owned by the left. And it's like, isn't it possible that we're just going to evolve? Like that we're just going to have, we're going to learn new things and have better ideas. I mean, concern, I mean, we've talked about this before, but that it's in the name conservatives. Okay. Like they, they don't want to change. They don't want to adapt. They don't want to evolve. They want things to stay the way they were, you know? And it's like, no, or, or the way that they imagined that they were. Right. It, it's sort of like, you know, nobody called for, Abortion wasn't an issue until it was ginned well, up by well, the I mean, right wing been a religious, party. There's always been a religious view of abortion that is, you know, the the woman is not in control of her body once she has a one single cell of a of a infant. In, well, that's of a, not of even necessarily there. true. There was de- there's definitely there's 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 strains of Christianity that always took that sort of stance, but that yeah. wasn't necessarily true. And the idea that religion and abortion were a one in one lockstep issue are is is a new thing and it is a thing that people imagine is reality it's sort of like you know the idea that america was conceived in the 50s and we should always be trying to get back to that it, you know it's the idea that like well all those men came home from war and they said i'm going to make a family and i'm going to you know do this thing without taking into consideration that like the middle class was constructed by government deciding to give people a a ho- soldiers, so, uh, particularly white soldiers, yeah. returning from war, like a home and an education, and like a, a a chicken in every pot, and it was it was constructed by essentially by socialism. Yes, and so th- they're trying to return to this mythologized sort of like I keep saying that, but this sort of like nostalgia, which is like you know a yearning for a time that doesn't exist, and their whole thing is that they want. They want, they love that idea. They're like so in love with the idea that they deserve everything that they have, that they deserve, and that they'll all become rich one day because they're like inherently smarter and gooder yeah. than anybody else. Yeah. I, I think I said this a few weeks ago. Like, we're just going to talk about what we want to talk about. Um, you know, and there's no, to me, there's no more pressing topic. It's not just about talking about politics. Now, I know, I know there are people who are like, you know, I see, I hear from them and see them all the time on, on the internet. They just want to hear, they want you to stay in your lane and whatever. But like, this is the lane now this is reality. You know, this is life. I mean, yeah, my lane is also survival. All this stuff is connected, man. It's all connected. You know, it doesn't fucking matter how great the new PlayStation is. If we're living under a fascist dictatorship, you know, I don't fucking care. You can't, you can't abstract yourself from the reality that you're living in, you know? And, and, uh, and I think it's like important to balance these 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 realities. Like that there is the stuff that we love and enjoy. I want to. I, by the way, I have a great nice thing to talk about on this today later. Um, uh, but there's also you know there's also the reality that we all live in and that we have to we have to help 
um, construct. And I think a big part of that construction right now, a big part of that project is is making a better, more peaceful, more calm existence for, by the way, for everybody. By the way, what we're talking about is like, we don't want war. We don't want injustice. We don't want bombings. Like what people are asking for right now is not take the pain out on someone. It's not steal money from someone. It's not um, hurt, physically hurt someone. It's like, we're asking for less violence. We're asking for more humane policing of the populace uh, or even just a complete rethinking of the concept of what policing is. We're asking for people to have health care, right? We're talking about giving uh, asylum to people who are escaping places far worse than America and need our help. We're talking about giving a pathway to immigrants who want to come to this country who maybe you know, didn't have all of the opportunities to get here the quote unquote right way. Like the things we're talking about, we're not talking about trying to destroy uh, white people in Ohio, right? I think they, I think people think that because of the fear that Republicans, the way Republicans have crafted their message, such an amazing message to all of the scared white people. I mean, what they've said is that it's zero sum. Anytime anybody else gets something, it's taken from you, which is not true. In fact, it's generally the opposite. And when other people get stuff, it benefits everyone. Get stuff being, meaning have human rights. Right. Just like not be killed. Get stuff meaning continue to live and not be shot by the police for no fucking reason. Um, But the way that Republicans have constructed that, that fantasy is they're here to take your stuff, to hurt you, to all this bullshit all this bullshit that is not true that is statistically scientifically provable i mean if anybody if any of those people paid attention to science but i get it it's like a great scary myth that's been constructed but the reality is like what people are what i feel like i'm fighting for and asking for every day and donating money to and and promoting messages about is like more peace more life like more of the good stuff that makes like existence on the planet worthwhile and less of the stuff that everybody hates. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, I just, it, it's like, I don't want to sound like a fucking hippie, but like, you know, I don't I know. I mean, like, literally, Nazis- the, the, the idea of progressivism at its core is that like, if there's a problem that our current society has like homelessness hunger uh wealth inequality no health care murders by our you know our the the state on behalf of uh whims made by people with six months training like the 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 idea is that like if that's a problem let's get some people in a room and come up with something else and try something else and keep iterating so that eventually we can get to a place where everyone can be happy and healthy and innovate and we can see like the future and that yeah. it's like bright and exciting and we can go to Mars and we can, the, the promise of humanity can be like fulfilled. Like that's the central idea. And I don't, I really struggle with like what at its core does, bothers people about that. Like how do people like, like outside, like when you put yeah. aside all the like, you know, us versus them and the like, fucking ginned up hate and the you know god decided that this is the way that things should be like when you just fundamentally say like should we try something new because one in five american children are malnourished yeah like can we try something 
I right. don't understand the impulse to be like, no, it's, it's fine. It's, leave it. It's just like, fear. What the fuck it's are you talking about? It's just fear. I mean, it's just fear. It, it is fear that gets turned into hate, um, which is born out of ignorance. I mean, it's very simple. And it's like, it's the tool that people in power, bad, you know, really bad people in power use to get more of what they want, which is, um, you know, money and power. It's like really straightforward, but it's also really hard to break the cycle of it. And hopefully we're, I mean, I hope we're getting somewhere, you know, I believe that we can get somewhere. I do think it starts with, I I do think like, I do think like there is something revolutionary happening. I really hope that we don't stop. I hope that people don't stop from now, uh, obviously through November, you know, which is where we've got like, you know, an extremely important election with obviously a lot of trade-offs to be made, but we've got to fucking get rid of Trump. Like that just has to be the place where some of this starts, where we need to just have a figurehead that isn't all about all of the absolute wrong ideas. But like, I think that, I hope that, that what people are, are doing now continues beyond the election, whoever, I mean, God willing, with, even with a Democrat in the White House, um, because it's still going to you're still going to need to push those people to the left, way to the left. And I the, pushing to the left is even the wrong way to describe it. I think like this idea of left and right demanding is, sanity or like demanding accountability is the way that I'm trying to think about it is like I am demanding that you don't capitulate to oil companies because they donated to your super PAC. I'm demanding that you take climate change seriously because it's the sane thing to do right now. Like that's yeah. the only option in any kind of like mentally sound thought through situation. Like the only option is to, to be like, we have to find a solution vis-a-vis I, climate change because yeah, we're I all going to die. I think that, I think the, um, I think that we need to, if there's a re great rebrand that could happen, it would be this idea of left and right. Um, and it's like, there needs to be like a fact-based science-based humanity-based way of thinking about things. And then to look at everything in relief of that, everything in, in, in relief of that, right? Meaning if it's not about helping humanity, uh, 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 you know, helping people, you know, the population find work, keep work, feed their families, house their families, live in a healthy way, get the health care they need, live on a planet that has, uh, uh, that is, is, is healing and not being destroyed, and then there's the alternate, right? I understand this is all like degrees of specificity, but like the alternate version, the other side of that is like it's more about serving corporations and serving uh, fucking the pursuit of of capital, you know, generating capital for a very small percentage of people. Like we need to stop thinking about this as a partisan issue. The, the, the shit that the people want who are white people, blue collar white people in Ohio um, and 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 uh, people who live in in coastal cities, I mean, they're largely the same thing. They're very simple. And I'm not saying that like, can we all just get along or whatever? I am saying that like, there's just like pursuits that serve the your 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 the people in power, and there's pursuits that serve people. And we need to start to separate those out and talk about them less as partisan goals and more about fucking goals of humanity. Like, are you for, it's like, are you for 
like an improvement in the lives of the population? Are you for an improvement in the lives of the people in power? And that's that should really be the defining question of our age. Yeah, like what's more important to you, having a power fantasy where you get to project yourself into Trump and say like, yeah, he's white and he fucking loves being white and I'm white, so I like that he's fucking doing all this shit. Like, is that <laughs> instinct, that feeling that you get more important than like, again, one in five children in America is malnourished? Like, we have to decide that like one of those things is a totally acceptable like in fact, encouraged belief, and the other one is insane and weird, and that we're not going to sit around and take it seriously anymore. I I don't know why. Like like I feel like there's this whole section of, I mean, beyond the New York Times op ed page, there's this whole section oh. of 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 people who who are like, we need to take the alt right seriously. We need to listen to their ideas, and it's yeah, like, no. and that has existed. Like the intellectual dark web, Joe Rogan's whole like, let me just hear them out thing. Like, no, we don't have to do that. We do not have to listen to people explain why they think all Mexican people should die or all gay people should be tortured. Like, we I don't. Mean, <laughs> what? Yeah, it's like I it's don't like, have to listen to that. No, no, it's definitely there is a point where the argument is if the argument is like. I, I mean, feel... what we're talking around by, right, by, 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 let me just throw this in there before you say what you're going to say. What we're talking about is fundamentally the problems going on at Facebook with Mark Zuckerberg right now. And, and you did write an amazing piece about how Mark needs to quit. Yeah, he should quit. He fucking sucks ass and he's completely ill-equipped to deal with what's going on on his platform. But like, um, yeah, like, like, you know, I get like, it's cool. Like you can just like the internet is a platform for all opinions, you know? If I was in charge of a platform, I would want the best opinions and I would seek them. I would seek them out hard. And I would be like, if it's even looks a little bit like a Holocaust denier, if it even looks a little bit like a person who's like gay people shouldn't exist. Like, I don't need that on my platform. You can go start your own website. You can go on to someone else's platform. You can go on fucking Gab AI or whatever and try to spew, spew your shit. But like, yeah, the idea that. The idea that all opinions are good and equal. Now, I understand the argument. By the way, a lot of these, a lot of these so-called intellectuals, and and they really are, their arguments are like really not intellectual. Are like it's wrong. I can't believe. Look at all these liberals and these progressives and these left-wing people trying to silence, you know, free speech and silence the open exchange of ideas by saying that we shouldn't be able to confront and think about and talk about Tom Cotton's editorial about sending the troops into the streets. It's like, no, dude, Tom Cotton should absolutely be able to write his thing about sending in the troops, which he did on Twitter, which would be gladly published by garbage piles like the Daily Caller or probably the Wall Street Journal. Um, but it doesn't have to exist in the New York Times. And that's the, and that's the same point that we're making about Facebook is that there are platforms for all sorts of shit that you can find if you want to. The Daily Stormer is probably still hosted somewhere, you know? I'm not going to say the Daily Stormer shouldn't exist on the internet. Like, I can't control every website on the internet, all right? There are plenty of things that I feel no, personally. No, I think that people should be allowed to, in their own homes, say whatever racist, horrible shit they want to say into yeah. their mirrors. But when you go in public and start making threats and using slurs, which is inherently a threat loudly and publicly 
it's okay to ask you to leave. Like, right. you're not entitled to coming into every space and saying right. that I should die. Right. You don't get to sit in a restaurant saying racist shit and continue to sit there and eat. In, in nine times out of ten, I would imagine you're asked to leave. You want to go in the street and yell that and, and whatever, we'll decide if what you're saying is a threat. And threats yeah. are not – like, free speech is not – you're not entitled to be heard all the time. But even but – even, right. But even beyond the concept of free speech, there's a question about you, can you say it? Yes. Are you, do you, are, you, are, you, are you gifted a platform on which to say it? No. No. It doesn't fucking matter how big the platform is. It's a pri- – Facebook continues to be a privately owned and operated company. They can literally do whatever they want in terms of what is acceptable speech on their platform. And there is no law in the country that can force them unless we want to basically end the First Amendment. Okay? There is no law in the country that can stop them from making a decision about what they will and won't allow on their privately owned and paid for platform. Okay? It's a bookstore. No one will force you to put Mein Kampf on the shelves. There's no law that forces that you could take it to fuck. You could take them to court. You say, I published a novel about how all black people should be killed and I want it sold at every bookstore. Take the bookstores to court. It's not there. It's not within your rights to demand that your book is sold at those stores. Okay. And that, that is the only thing that I need to, I need Mark Zuckerberg and everybody else on these platforms to think about. And it is the only thing the New York times needs to think about when it makes decisions about what it publishes, because because talking about like an open exchange of ideas, great. Talking about basically endorsing the ideas by giving them the gravity of your pages is a different thing altogether. The ideas are already out there. They're well known. They're well documented. They have been, they are platformed all over the place. The question is what a New York Times decides to do or what a Zuckerberg and Facebook decides to do when it's their turn to make a decision about what is good for their platform or bad for it and what their platform gives credence to and gives uh, promotion to versus what it doesn't. And so it's not a hard, to me, it's not hard. You know, it's like, there are probably some edge cases. There are probably some things that do veer into actual debate. I'm sure there may be, you may be able to say, well, the theories say the hol- there were 6 million people, 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. And I have a, a theory that I've been working on as a historian that it was actually 4 million. Like, okay, you're probably fucking wrong and you're probably a racist, but I will allow that you're not denying that it happened. You're saying maybe you have some new information that's going to change our framing of it. Like, there are probably gray areas like that. That's fine. I don't think we're talking about the gray areas. I don't think we're talking about the, you know, when the looting starts, the shooting starts is not a fucking gray area. Not everything is a slippery slope. Like, you you do have to draw a line somewhere. And clearly they do because you can't put porn on their website. When a a person, when the president says the Democrats are engaging in massive voter fraud or whatever, you can say this statement is false. It's known. It's a knowable thing. You know? It's just, it comes down to like, I, okay, I have a theory that the entire government is run by magical elves who make cookies. And I believe that if you don't put me on television to talk about this, then you're silencing my voice and my theory. And in Mm. fact, if Facebook doesn't promote my idea alongside the other ideas, you are not taking me seriously and you're restricting my speech and it's not fair. And like, that is absurd. And so to whatever fantasy you want to peddle, it is on you 
to like produce evidence that makes this newsworthy because at the moment you're just saying things that aren't true. You haven't produced any evidence that journalistically claims anything you're saying. And so what bothers me is that like, you know, people stand up and they say like, well, Facebook is the, you know, new town square, even though obviously we don't want a private company to own the town square. Like if the Facebook is the town square, it should be state run or it should be publicly owned. I think, I think, yeah, I think the government should start its own social network. They, They should call it town square and it should be, anybody can say anything they want. Let's see how successful it is. Let them moderate it. Let them police it. If they want to have a if they want to have a publicly owned globalized town square that is free of censorship that can make a claim that it is not a for-profit private business i mean give it a shot see how it goes i'm open to it i mean i won't fucking use it but that's just one man's opinion anyhow listen the point is zuckerberg has shit for brains and um he should quit facebook immediately and let somebody who has a much deeper understanding of history and humanity and uh has empathy and uh, and uh, can process information n- n- not like a robot um that person should be in charge of uh, facebook that's my recommendation my official recommendation well I mean, I think the most egregious thing about all of that, and then let's end on this, is that, you know, um, Zuckerberg and his wife paid hundreds of scientists to do a private study of whether or not allowing hate speech and violent speech on Facebook is actually harmful and whether Facebook is pushing people towards extremism. And the scientists unequivocally said that it is. And they penned an open letter begging Facebook and specifically Mark Zuckerberg to change their mind on this because it was doing unimaginable amount of harm to society. And Mark Zuckerberg's response was agree to disagree. (laughs) Yeah. They were on his payroll. So like, I think let's just like leave it there. Cause I think like at that point, at that point, like there's no reasoning, like there's no amount of arguing that like, we're going to, I, I I don't really know the way out of this besides like people don't use the service anymore or somebody steps in. Like, I don't know how we get the 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 best thing you know i say this with like instagram open in the background while we're talking but the best thing we can do is is to abandon i don't think we can all i i think frankly i don't think it's feasible or reasonable to say to people just quit facebook because some people for some people it really is the only way they can connect with certain people in their lives or um with with you know with with uh uh certain services they need to use i mean it's very hard to say to, to put the onus on all of the users to say you 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 do better and don't don't force this company to take any uh, responsibility. But I do think like lessening the amount of time uh, and lessening the amount of focus we give to it can go. A but really if there long is way. a private service that we can't avoid using, that like so many people have to use, and we've decided is so central that we need to you know, it, it should adopt the tenets of a government. Maybe we should break that business up. Like if no, Facebook is no. so integral to every part of, of the internet, maybe it shouldn't yeah, exist. No, there's, there's no question that, that we need to regulate these companies. We need to regulate Facebook. We need to regulate Apple around its app store policies, which are absolutely horrendous. Oh my God, um, that this week, I can't even. I mean, Facebook is, Facebook is too fucking big. It should not own WhatsApp. It should not own Instagram. Those should not be integrated services. It should have to separate parts of its business. Potentially, should Facebook's newsfeed be an integrated part of its 
of its core business of photo sharing and messaging and and fucking uh, video, you know, uh, promotion and whatever the other shit is that Facebook does. I don't know. You know, should it also be a news source? Like, I'm not really sure. Should Facebook be engaging in the publication of news? Should it take political advertising? Should it uh, not label things that are that are um, uh, known falsehoods? Like, I, it needs regulation by intelligent regulators who know what. Yeah, the fuck there are multiple about. companies, and I think we all know which ones we're talking about, like Amazon's, Apple's, Facebook. That it. it, it that it is so great that we have a country where such innovation could exist. And we also have a country that had to break up like steel monopolies and had to break up telecommunication monopolies and had to break up. And that has is what has enabled things like Facebook to exist. Facebook would not exist if AT&T was allowed to own all telecommunications in this country. Facebook would not exist. We broke them up. And yes, they reformed slowly over time. And that is inherently a problem. But we're just we need to re-break them up like that. This is a process of whack-a-mole that we're going to have to do if we've decided that we want a free market economy. And like, I, you know, I, I don't understand like I don't understand why that's like that's not a radical thought that was totally conventional wisdom for a century of business in this country. Like and honestly, for the entirety of modernity. So, I mean, and honestly, we should probably talk about the PS5 because I think, you know, that's another market where, like, game consoles, I get it that there's a lot of of competition in gaming. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can play games. You can play games on a computer. You can play it on your phone. You can use a streaming service. But the actual console business is, like, a triopoly. And even even if you think of nintendo as being part of that which it kind of isn't like they're in their own lane for the most part um you know it's interesting that like sony is this one global company that pretty much dictates what happens in video games like we're getting closer and closer to that because microsoft has no presence in asia um they've got barely a foothold in europe and yeah well what about the nintendo switch is it but that's handheld like that's a handheld like I mean, that's it's a different it's lane. Less, it's a little less pressing. I'll be honest with you. I'm a little less worried about that than I am with like Facebook. Gaming is the biggest money making entertainment medium in the world. And it All is right. a way that people spend uh, obsessive amounts of time. And I do think that like we should get concerned about stuff like that now rather than yeah. when 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 Sony well, controls all have, of VR. We, we, we should have a, we should have an, a, a, um, a governing body that keeps that has tech tech regulation as a active and thoughtful part of its existence um which we which we currently don't have we don't have any kind of uh uh we don't have any kind of seemingly any kind of um sanity around these topics within our current government so hopefully as we progress to whatever the next stage of existence you know as we as we get closer and closer to uh reuniting with xenu um we will figure out how to actually regulate these fucking businesses. Now, on that point, on that note, I really we got to wrap this up. Unfortunately, I did want to talk about the PlayStation. We'll give and us Sony some quick more. thoughts. Some quick thoughts. I don't know. I have the Here's my here's my main prevailing thought on all of the new console stuff, which is like I think one, I think the PlayStation 5 design is like not attractive and also um inefficient for what it actually does. I think that like most technology 
uh, like that. Like what the box looks like is so deeply secondary to what it needs to do. I think that Microsoft took the right approach in making something that's basically innocuous. Um, I think unless you have a truly beautiful, here's the thing. I think it's possible to design a game system that looks truly amazing, but Sony did not do that. They designed like sort of a half-assed, like it's different, but not really good sort of thing. So I yeah. think from a, from a, from a physical perspective, I'm looking at it going like, I really don't want to show this off. It looks awkward to put in various places. It doesn't jump over, leap over that sort of like presentation level that it needed to go to, to get to like, wow, this is truly like a talking point in a work of art. It is not that. If they wanted to make it that, they needed some much better industrial designers on the case. I think Microsoft's approach to industrial design in this case is right on, which is like kind of make it disappear. And I believe in the next 10 years, what is going to happen is the box is going to largely disappear from console gaming. And it is going to be about a, a very small box that is like largely like a hard drive and some really really fucking great internet components and some other pieces of of like much more minor equipment to like bring a stream in appropriately but that's like in a higher bandwidth future but i think like so just on a physical level uh, uh underwhelmed for sure the games they showed off for um they're sort of like these are our launch titles or these are our like you know ps5 like exclusive titles I, largely underwhelming to me. Obviously, I'm excited about Horizon Zero Dawn, a sequel. I'm excited. I was sort of ex anticipating and was going to be excited about the new Resident Evil. I felt the trailer was like, did nothing for me. It seems like not very good or interesting from at a first glance. Like, I'm not really into like the Resident Evil franchise being like th this weird gothic, like, like European gothic story. Like, even though Resident Evil 4 is really good, and it, it was kind of this crazy departure, but it needed to take a crazy departure at that moment. I don't really feel like I feel like that's a, also a place where the, it kind of lost its plot. And I playing two, the two and three remakes kind of bring me back to what was so great about the original Resident Evil games, which was like the settings of those stories. So anyhow, I actually was much more impressed with what I saw from the Xbox um, uh, launch titles than the, the Series X launch titles than, than with the, the PS5. But I'm sure it's going to be I'm sure they're both going to be great. But here's my central question. I'm now I'm rambling a little bit, but my central question is like I I built a pretty decent gaming PC. I think I can make it even better with a with a with a better GPU, which would cost me you know a not insignificant amount of money. But like I've already sunk costs into it. I'm constantly playing that instead of my PS4 now. And in fact, if I could like take all of my PS4 games and like put them on my PC and have my save states and everything be where they were. I would probably never touch the PS4 again or the Xbox. I haven't turned my Xbox on in like a year probably. And um, which is like sad, but like I just stopped playing it. And I think this is sort of what's happened. It's like I kind of like switched from playing the Xbox to the PS4 for some reason. I can't remember exactly why. And now I've moved from that to the PC. And it's like I think the PC performance and optionality and game selection is just so much more interesting and exciting. My big thing is like, does it even make sense at this point? Obviously, the exclusive titles are going to be the hook, but like, how much better performance am I going to get from the PS5 or the Xbox Series X than my PC? Where are the trade offs? What really is like, I really want to know how much better it's going to be. And I think until we actually are living that, that at, at that point where you're playing it, it's impossible to know. One thing I'll say is like everything that they've shown about the, the PS5 and the Xbox around loading times 
is a huge deal to me. And I think that is going to massively change the way people develop games. And that could be the thing that really separates PC gaming from console gaming right now is that like crazy throughput they have in terms of data. And the fact that you could hypothetically make a game that is infinite in size because it's able to load new content so quickly that it's seamless. So that's like pretty exciting. Anyhow, that's that's my ramble on the PS5. I agree with everything you just said. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. All right. I'm I should we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Let's do okay. nice things. Let's do nice things. I um I started uh I've started to like, you know, explore things beyond my typical hobbies like building a PC or doing this podcast <laughs> and um mm-hmm. and yeah I, I i just got this woodworking book this like huge it's like considered like the you know sort of bible of like woodworking and i've started put to put together a list on amazon of like woodworking equipment which is like i now realize like men are i mean it's a very manly thing is like woodworking is this traditionally like a guy alone in his workshop but like it's definitely like there's something wrong with men at least like my generation of men where like we're always like tinkering with shit you know, like always like looking for some th- project. And I, I I will say there is something about like I feel this tremendous desire to like make something or build something or like do something that's like, you know, isn't like life isn't like out here in the world is something else. Anyhow, so like the idea of like building things out of wood. Actually, this is born out of my PC thing, which is like I've been looking for cases for my pc i hate i don't hate the one that i bought but it's like it's this whatever it's a fine box but i don't love it and i was like god it'd be great if there was like a really beautiful sort of like around this playstation conversation i'd be like it'd be great if there was like a really beautiful piece of like design that i could put my pc into and you look at all these cases and there's some nice modern ones that are like sleek and console size and whatever but like they're all sort of like they look like really techy and I was like, maybe I could like build one. And then I started to research it. And I was like, oh, actually, I maybe could build one. And it's like, so I started getting this idea that I would build a wood case, uh, wood and copper case for my um for my PC, which I may actually try to do. And then I started looking into woodworking. And then I got like into this whole like rabbit hole of like the concept of it. And now I'm just sort of like, so I'm sort of starting to think about, which I haven't done in a while, like sort of exploring a new hobby. And truly like investing like time and effort into it um, to build some things with my hands, which I think would be very satisfying. And so I'm kind of excited about that. I feel like I've started on a path towards something that could be very satisfying and very fulfilling. As you know, I'm a huge like interior design and furniture nerd. I think there's stuff there that I want to explore just from a design and um, materials perspective that could be really interesting. And so, yeah, I'm like I'm embarking on a new hobby uh, and I'm very excited about it. Love it. Yeah. You got a nice thing? Yeah. So um, I'm going to write about this. And so keep an eye out because I have a lot more thoughts than what I can put here. But um, I picked up a book on Kindle because I upgraded my... I know there are open e-readers, but I just wanted the Kindle Oasis. Don't judge me. And uh, so I upgraded to that and it's really nice. (laughs) And fuck Jeff Bezos, break that company up, but they made a nice little gadget. Um, Wow. And so I picked up a book, a few books, but one of the ones that I picked up is called Code, The Hidden Language of Computer Hardware and Software, Developer Best Practices. Um, is the Oasis the, the the waterproof one? Yes. Yeah, we, I was just talking about this with Laura. I was thinking about getting one of these. Yeah, reading in the bath. Damn, these like, are fucking fuck. expensive. Holy shit. Yeah, and then you got to pay to get the ads off of it. That's a whole thing. 
Oh my god. I know. But you can right, trade sorry, in an old ahead. Kindle and get oh, a really? I have significant a bunch. discount. Yeah, you can get a pretty significant discount. Oh, anyway. Wow. Okay. So it's by this guy, Charles Petzold, who wrote this book. It's from like 2000. Um, basically, it is about code, um, but it's about like I under obviously I'm a nerd. I understand how to code things. I do understand that like you type this in and then the computer does this and you have to build a system of logic. Like I get it. But I never really fully understood like I conceptually I could explain with metaphors how a microprocessor works or I could tell you like all the parts of a computer and why they're there and what they do, but I couldn't tell you like literally how they work. Like on a on an atomic scale what is happening or like literally the architecture of a processor. I, I I know the difference between different architectures and I know the effects of having a different kind of architecture, but I couldn't tell you fundamentally, like I can't picture it in my mind. And it felt like this giant thing that I was missing that other people understood and it gave them an ability to understand technology and the space that we're in, in a way that I wasn't. And so I picked up this book being like, you know, I'm probably going to get two chapters in and then get confused and frustrated and bored and then move on. But it's in fact so captivating. So in this book, he starts off talking about basically like, what if you were in your bedroom as a kid and across the street was your other friend in their bedroom and it was nighttime and you guys still wanted to talk? How could you do it? Just like, what's the most basic way a kid could get a message across? And like, one of the easiest possibilities would be like you have flashlight. Every kid has a flashlight. And so what do you have? If you have a flashlight, you have the ability to turn on or off. And basically you have that binary choice. How can from that binary decision, could you basically create a way of talking to someone in a way that was like, like low the frictionless. And so it goes from like this flashlight thing to how would you build a telegram and just like the lights would turn on and off in their room and you wouldn't have to be sitting at the window. And how could you build a system that would auto translate that? And basically it goes from flashlights to the British invasion to like actually how code breakers broke codes and then eventually how computers understand things, even though they're based on ones and zeros, like a binary system. Um, and it basically explains how, like, because that is the smallest amount of information you can get, which is like a yes or a no, you can then use yes and no to build everything else out. And I never really knew how we got there or like how that happened. I just knew it was possible. And I now understand binary math and I understand a whole bunch of things that I probably should have learned in high school, frankly, or college. And this book is... I have to say, completely approachable. Probably great if you have a nerdy teenager in your life. Um, I wish I had learned it when my mind was more malleable because I probably wouldn't have to reread certain chapters. Um, right. But it was—it's fascinating. It's super interesting. It's changed the way that I think about like what my abilities are and like you know, like I think like in another life, had I been given this information earlier and like able to do what I wanted in college, I maybe could have gone into like a STEM field because when it, when it's explained on your level and someone takes the time to make sure that you fully understand the concepts and doesn't condescend to you, um, it makes a huge difference. And as someone with ADHD, it's really hard for me to 
learn things in the traditional setting. And so this has just opened something up for me. And I, it, it's reopened my mind to the idea that there's a lot left to learn. Like I always felt like I was incidentally learning by like watching a Netflix series about a topic I didn't know about, or, you know, I read this nonfiction book because it was by a guy I liked. And then I ended up learning about some topic that he was interested in. And like, right. I felt like I was just picking up information my whole life, but I never like purposely was like, I want to learn this and sat down other than like a couple times I tried to learn a language because I was traveling. I never like sat down and was like, I want to know something. And from the inside out, completely educate myself on a topic that isn't like essential to my day-to-day life. And it feels really good. And it in fact has made me like a better person in other respects. So anyway, I'm going on and on, but I really wow, love this. You are really, you code. really are going on about this, but I will say you've made me very curious about, it and I can't wait to read what you're going to write about it. Um, and I actually feel very similarly that I, there are concepts that even though I've like talked about and written about and, you know, thought about the stuff for a long, long time, almost my entire life, there are elements of it that I feel, you know, I'm, I'm still, I still don't fully grasp, you know, I still don't fully get. And, uh, anyhow, I think it's, um, I'm, I think it's a fascinating way to come at it. It's really interesting. Like we all use computers all day long. We should know how they work, you know? Yes, I agree. All right. We got to wrap up. Okay. Um, it was great talking to you again. We're going to be back next week, stronger than ever. Tony, we're here for you. We'll okay. never let you down again. I wouldn't believe any of this. Goodbye. That is our show for this week. We'll be back next week, probably with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. And I'm so happy to report that your entire family has gotten into woodworking. They've crafted a beautiful boat and they're requesting that you get on the boat and sail away far away from them for reasons that I don't fully understand. But hey, families, am I right?